1: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Texans reporter for USA Today Texans Wire, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24, along with my partner in crime. John, some
0: sports guy Hickman. It is Friday, which means we're getting out of here for the weekend, right? Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Today's episode, we are joined by Brandon K. Scott of Sports Radio 16 to talk about the OTAs, the Texans canceling OTAs for the rest of the month of June, and more with the Houston Texans out of OTAs. So Cody and Brandon will have a fun discussion about that. Before we dive into that, we cannot not discuss uh, Jonathan Joseph, who uh, officially announced his retirement, on yesterday, the greatest Texan free agent signing of all time. I can't think of anybody who comes close to what he did uh, as a free agent coming here from Cincinnati. uh, What he did for this Texan defense during their great years, other than Jonathan Joseph, I honestly forgot he was still in the league. But with that being said, you know, he, he is one of those players, Cody, that, When you think about the great years of of the Texans and the great players that they had on both sides of the ball, man, it's really a travesty. And I've said this plenty of times, and I hate to sound like a soapbox. It's a travesty. They never made it further than what they did, of course, due to injury Matt Shaw that one year, that I really believe they had an opportunity and a real chance to make it as close to the conference finals Uh, as any Texan team we've ever seen before. Bashar went down and that injury really did hurt them. Uh, When we look at Jonathan Joseph and what he did in his Texan career, it's undeniable he is the greatest Texan free agent signing of all time. He helped a very struggling uh, defensive backfield, along with Danny Manning at, at that time as well. But to see him finally hang up his cleats, all you really can do is just say, man, thank you for all of the good years. And we joked about we joked on Jonathan Joseph, his last year in Houston, because he was just old, or slow, slower than what we had ever seen him before. But when we talk about his texting career, that is without a shadow of a doubt the greatest part, playing wise, of his NFL career uh, that I could think of.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Joseph, John, I think we can all make an argument that not only is he the greatest free agent signing in franchise history, but I can make an argument that he is the greatest defensive back in franchise history. Jonathan Joseph became a two-time Pro Bowler here with the Houston Texans. Not only that, he was second team All-Pro during the 2011 and 2015 seasons. And the 2010s of the Houston Texans especially when we had J.J. Watt and Jadeveon Clowney here this was a defensive powerhouse and of course Clowney and Watt get majority of the credit but a lot of the Texans defensive greatness during that time Jonathan Joseph was one of the players who made the Texans as good as they were during the 2010s and You know, it's unfortunate that he was able to end his career without a Super Bowl championship ring. And I think we can all agree that Jonathan Joseph is not going to be a Hall of Fame player. However, he should get his roses from the Houston Texans. And, John, I'm calling it right now. Jonathan Joseph should be the second player in history to have his name go into the Texans Ring of Honor.
0: Absolutely, and the reason behind that thought is JJ Watt is still playing. Uh, I don't think Young Clowney will get in. Uh, I believe DeAndre Hopkins should get in at some point. I'm not but sure about he the relationship
1: got another ten years.
0: Well, I mean, and I'm not sure about the relationship that he has with the with the uh, with the family, the McNair family, and the franchise. But we're not saying Jay, uh, Jonathan Joseph is, you know, the second best by any stretch of of the imagination. He just so happened to be retiring. And this organization, which is the youngest organization in the league as far as how long the Texans itself has been around, absolutely. You should definitely induct him into the Texans Ring of Honor because of what he did during those years where it really just seemed like if Matt Shaw would have never went down, And how hot he was that year with the connection between Andre Johnson Aaron Foster in that backfield, that great offensive line and very great defense. They go further. And Jonathan Joseph was a key, intricate part of that team. Just on one side of the ball, man. you can see his leadership all over. Very infectious. And so when we look at him finally hanging it up, all we can say is, at least in my opinion, and it may come off being biased, but all we can say is the highlight of his career was playing for the Houston Texans because he gave the league some great, great years under Wade Phillips and that and coaching staff back then. Cody, do you feel 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is really rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more twos and more time, you don't stand a chance. So now we're introducing Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the players in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is daily fantasy sports the way it's meant to be, one-on-one. Go to StatHero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now, right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That is completely unheard of. Go to StatHero.com slash locked on stathero.com slash locked on. Also, did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? And when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan like myself, they're definitely passionate about their faves. Coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 grams protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 for 15% off at BillBar.com.
1: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And hey, as promised, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 is joining us in the studio today. Brandon, what's going on, my brother? And welcome back to Locked On Texans.
2: And I appreciate y'all for having me. Glad to be here, man. And not too much, man. Just a little little Texans OTAs trying to figure out what the team is going to look like. And of course, you know, in my downtime watching some of these NBA playoffs, that's about it.
1: Who are you going for this year in the NBA playoffs? Me, I'm going for the Phoenix Suns because I have always wanted to see Chris Paul win an NBA championship, and I'm, and I'm hoping he gets an opportunity to pull it off.
2: Yeah, man, I don't have any rooting interest, honestly, man. Like, I ride for the Rockets. Uh, my biggest thing with these playoffs was that, was that every team, it seemed like, or almost every team had a former Rocket that was tied to the – glory days that wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. i mean whether it was whether it's pj tucker in, in milwaukee or james harden in brooklyn or if it's chris paul like you mentioned in phoenix hill even austin rivers watching him ball at times in denver has been like man what used to be what could have been you know so i just you know basketball is actually is, you know just a inside behind the curtain here is actually my favorite sport of all of them mm-hmm. so man i just i could watch anybody i would ne- i don't need a rooting interest to watch anybody play basketball i could go to the gym right now and watch pickup and be entertained so don't so much less let it be nba i'm just rooting for good basketball but like you mentioned man watching chris paul has been amazing man that back then thought he was cooked Uh, understood why maybe you might want to move on from them, but I'm singing a different tune and I really wish they hadn't done that man <laughs> I really wish they had not done that man. Chris Paul looks amazing
1: and speaking of an organization I'm hoping did not make a bad decision Brandon I am sure you know by now that the Houston Texans did decide to cancel their mandatory minicamp really quick Brandon, can we just get this show kicked off with your opinion about how do you feel on the Texans canceling mandatory minicamp and by the way I want to bring to your attention if you have not heard the reasoning behind behind the Texans canceling mandatory mini camp that was scheduled to take place next week. He felt as the head coach that the team was able to accomplish all of their goals in this four week voluntary workout program that they had over this past month. Yeah,
2: I think it's a questionable decision. Like it's it's tough for me to know or to be able to say whether they actually accomplished everything that they want to accomplish or need to accomplish I don't know 100% exactly what that is, but it does seem to me that the logic dictates that this is a team that can use all the work that it could get. I don't think it's this monumental thing that it was kind of made out to be or has been made out to be since it happened. Like like, <laughs> like you would think that they were building the dynasty within the three days of the yeah, – like you look at it and they say OTAs was well attended. And that, and that from, by all accounts, you were there, Cody, and – from pretty much all accounts, that is true. It was well attended. Most people were there. They have had pretty good participation. So, like I said, I can't really tell you if they've actually accomplished the things that they want to accomplish. So, this is more player-driven, labor-driven, uh, ideology-driven. Not so much have to do with the competition and the actual football itself. Some things outside the lines that have that have to factor into this. But as far as the football part goes, I don't think that they are going to suffer behind this or I don't think that the that the team who just a couple of weeks ago I think I told y'all I had them winning four games again this year I don't think this is going to be the reason why they only win three or the reason why they don't win the five like to me it's the same for the most part it's still the same team but from an optic standpoint I don't think it looks good when you're when you got a first year head coach first year general manager Your quarterback that you had last year was the NFL passing leader. And the one that you're going to have this year, let's just suffice it to say, is not. And, you know, and you got a brand new defense like they they more than any other team probably could use the practice. So it's a curious decision from that standpoint. But I don't think it's going to be this thing that sets them back, you know, tremendously.
1: You know, talking about how well they're voluntary OTAs was was attended they nearly had almost every single player on this roster um at one point or another took part in voluntary OTAs and really quick if you just give me a quick moment um for what I was able to gather from the players who were not in the tennis, of course Deshaun Watson Titus Howard Laramie Tunsil Whitney Merciless and Zach Cunningham excluding Deshaun Watson from this list you are still looking at what arguably the Texans most talented players so with the texans canceling mandatory minicamp this means that it saved deshaun watson close to a hundred thousand dollars and defined that he would have been taken if the texans decided to go the opposite route and actually hold these mandatory minicamps how much in your opinion how much do you believe that this whole situation with deshaun watson played a factor in the texans saying you know what we had a successful voluntary mini camp. Let's actually not hold a mandatory mini camp. And that's going to give them some time. That's going to buy them some time where they would not have to answer a whole bunch of Deshaun Watson questions. Because, Brandon, you and me know <laughs> on those <coughs> Zoom calls, if they were in a position where they had held mandatory mini camp next week, every other question on Zoom was going to be about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I don't doubt that that part of the last
2: part that you just mentioned, I'll say this much that the Texans would like to have you to believe like if they got to choose what you believe or if they got to pick the narrative for sure, they would have you believe that it had nothing to do with it, that it didn't factor into it at all whatsoever. I find that hard to believe, difficult to believe that it didn't factor in at all. I don't think it was everything like I don't think that this was just a struggle to avoid the press and avoid the questions and to avoid the optics of not having Deshaun Watson at, uh, at a mandatory camp. I do think that there's something to, you know, what, what David Cully said about the players, you know, just being player driven. You got to remember before these camps the, and the NFLPA has been consistent about this, they have been encouraging, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but they have been encouraging guys to stay away from the voluntary stuff to begin with you know and and as you could tell the texans went the opposite way of that so they kind of in some ways defied the advice of the union and or you know or the, the the players association and and went out there and and put in the work so i think that that's mostly it now the point that i would make about Deshaun and i want everybody to consider this and and make of it what you will but when you think about the fines that he supposedly would have got i'm not entirely positive if the Texans would have for sure fined Deshaun Watson for not being there because they don't have to like we, we we conditioned ourselves to think well mandatory minute camp you don't show up that means you get fined well the team actually has the discretion of whether they want to fine you or not the league's not making them fine players they can waive those fines uh, if they choose and you might ask well why would they do that if he doesn't show up well <laughs> let's remember what the situation is. It was Deshaun Watson who at first requested a trade, who first expressed a desire to get out of town or to get out of the organization. But then all of this stuff happened with the lawsuits. And as time went on, you heard the tone of Nick Casario and David Culley change a little bit. And it went from, we want to reiterate our commitment to Deshaun Watson, he is our quarterback, to he's our quarterback for now, to we ain't talking about that no more, (laughs) sort of thing, you know? So it it stands to it stands to reason that the Texans themselves would not would prefer if Deshaun Watson didn't show up to voluntary or mandatory type of camp or workouts, that they would prefer he stay away until there's some clarity on his situation. And so I'm not 100 percent sure that having the camp and Deshaun not showing up would have resulted into this dramatic uh extra step of the standoff where now you got the texans fining deshaun watson for not showing up just simply for the fact that i don't think they want him there
0: with every increasing number of makes like fiat kia and models like pacifica and xt5 it is now impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidated questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer Choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? Come on, guys. We can do better than that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30 50 or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey costs $353.99 at Advance, a big chain store. But it only costs $216.79 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have a different price tiering for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices available rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and it does not require a membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how do you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, what is the plan for the Steelers at a quarterback after Big Ben? Getting more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts
1: welcome back in ladies and gentlemen to locked on texans for this friday installment of locked on texans once again i just want to remind everyone that the nfl channel is officially in the off season and that is why john and i have only been posting shows three days a week and you know ladies and gentlemen it's going to be like this all the way possibly up until the end of july so i just wanted to throw that in there really quick with that being said brandon What are your thoughts about the Texans voluntary OTA periods that have taken place over the last four weeks? And especially what are some of your first impressions on some of the new guys, especially the rookies like Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins and Davis Mills?
2: Yeah, those are the ones, honestly. I mean, Davis Mills, Nico Collins, uh, Davis Mills has an arm on him. Nico Collins has the yeah, I mean, he's just he just looks different. Right. I mean, these guys are not very big outside of maybe, uh, you know, they, they added Chris Conley, you know, and I, and I think that's probably what, what it is, honestly, is the the wide receiver group. I am actually intrigued by just because it's, you know, we got this Nico Collins dude that the, that the Texans and Nick Asario, traded a lot of capital for uh, or, you know, traded up 20 spots, you know, a pick this year and next year to get them so that to me is a guy that actually has to come out and produce right away that's just the way i view it unlike necessarily davis mills who doesn't have to come out and produce right away but you'd like to think that there's some kind of future there i'm on record already saying that i don't necessarily view this guy as a franchise guy um as you know a, a, a franchise changing game changing kind of quarterback but could he be a plug and play starter could he be a you know a replacement level starter or backup? Yeah, sure. you know so I mean I'm, I'm intrigued by the top two rookies that, uh, that they that they drafted. Um, I also had some interest in watching Garrett wallow to see if he would uh, see any time at, at safety because he's a little smaller and has a safety background. Uh, but the the assistant coaches pretty much shut that down. Once we, once we talked to them a few days ago, he is exclusively a linebacker. And they like his future. They like his potential there. Um, and we'll, we'll just kind of see how all of that plays out. My biggest takeaway, or the thing that I guess I found the most interesting from our time covering OTAs, was talking to offensive line coach James Campen about the competition on the right side. Cause I think that that is, for me at least, the what or was maybe the biggest question mark. Going, coming into this season, what you know, aside from Deshaun Watson, okay, let's let's leave him as a as a qualifier. But aside from this Deshaun Watson situation, you know what are they going to do uh, to 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 fix what was a weak link on the offensive line on the, on the at right guard, and what is the future of Titus Howard exactly? And I don't think we have a clear answer to that, but <laughs> we got an interesting one, right? When we heard from James Campion saying that he doesn't think that Marcus Cannon who's played right tackle for quite some time in NFL, won Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and all that, doesn't see him moving too much from right tackle. But other guys could move. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I'm thinking? Well, you got a two-year starter at right tackle. That I means he might be moving. So so I'm really, really intrigued to see once we get to training camp, where is Titus Howard lining up? Um, he's a guy, to his credit, And to be fair, he's a guy who doesn't mind or at least didn't mind moving around. I know um, after his rookie year, he said he'd play anywhere, wherever they need him to play, wherever he can be helpful to the team to help them win, he would do that. So I can appreciate that attitude. uh, But I think for a lot of people, or I'll just at least speak for myself, you know, the idea was that you had a tackle in Titus Howard. You know, this guy could have been in my mind at one point, this guy could have maybe even been your left tackle. You know, we talked about this, you know, did you, did you need to go get Laramie Tunsil if Titus Howard was talented enough to do that? Um, turns out you did go get him, and Titus Howard could be your right tackle. So I felt like you had bookends on the offensive line and I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what, what is it exactly that they saw that made them think that a, either Titus wasn't the future at tackle or B, he might have a better future at guard. Um, and then, of course, what you know, how how Marcus Cannon is going to look at at right tackle if, in fact, that's where he plays, uh, considering that he opted out of of, uh, of the twenty twenty season with with COVID. Um, obviously, Justin Britt at center. I love his attitude, love his attitude and his uh, you know, his sound bites and all of that and what he might bring. I love his past, what he was before his injury. I don't know what he's going to look like now. So there's a question mark. But I mean, if he's if he's anything like the player that they talk him up to be and that he was before and that he sounds like, then this should be a much better offensive line. Definitely a more interesting offensive line to follow. Uh, so those are those are some of my takeaways. Obviously on the defensive end, you know, we're all, you know, on the edge of our seat to see how Levy Smith's, uh, let's call it updated 4-3 Tampa 2. Like, <laughs> what is the 2021 version of that? going to look like especially with this cast of characters i, I want to see it. you know I, I don't i don't know what to make of all the changes that are being made on the defensive line you know they say whitney merciless is going to play lighter uh but he had to play this with his hand in the dirt really in this kind With of, in this kind of technique since his is what i think he said his junior year of college you know uh they want jacob martin to to add some weight does that Does that, I mean, they they made it seem like, you know, and and this is true. You can add it smart. If you add it smart, it will be good. But does does that take away from his explosiveness and the type of player, what makes him unique as a player? You know, I want to see all of that. So uh, I I know I just gave you a lot of, (laughs) you know, I just kind of vomited my whole uh, notebook and thoughts of, 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 of... I probably got even more than that, but those are some of the, the main
1: ones. And I'm glad that you talked about the offensive line because on yesterday, John and I discussed Jane, James Campin's comments about keeping Marcus Canning at right tackle and the possibility of Titus Howell moving in on the inside as right guard. And uh, Brandon, I said this on yesterday and i say it again today that I think that is one of, if not the best problem that the Texans have because I do believe this offensive line is going to be a lot better and not only that Titus Howard he during his rookie season played majority of that year at right guard and according to pro football focus he was actually a better pass blocker because I believe if I'm not mistaken he finished the season with a grade of 70 but then last year when he made that switch from right guard to right tackle he finished last year with a grade of 65 I think it was 0.4 somewhere along those lines so any hope that we have for this team to be somewhat decent especially on the offensive side of the ball the offensive line is going to really have to step up and do their job in order to give Tyrod Taylor enough time to go out there and make plays in order to help the run game we know regardless if it was the production of David and Duke Johnson or the struggles that the offensive line had, that run game for the Houston Texans in 2020 cannot repeat itself again this year. Going back to, I think it was Tuesday, when we had an opportunity to hear from the assistant coaches, you you, you touched on it a little bit, hearing from Pep Hamilton on what he had to say on nobody really knows what this offense is going to look like next season. However, I think we can all come to the agreement that this is going to be a run-heavy offense when you take a look at, especially taking a look at the history of David Culley. With that being said, Brandon, how much do you think, especially after hearing from the assistant coaches, how much do you think we're going to see the input of Tim Kelly now? Because... Even Tim Kelly talked about the possibility of having more of a run-heavy offense. And to me, when I heard that, I kind of felt like Tim Kelly was actually taking a step back and saying to himself, look, the number one reason why I'm here was to try to be somewhat of a last resort to get Deshaun Watson to come back. We all know that ship has been sailed, and it seems like he has taken the role as someone who taking a step back and is going to do whatever Pep Hamilton and David Cully wants to do with this offense.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I get why people think that. I, I don't think it's unfounded because, obviously, David Cully's the head coach and is an offensive coach. And Pep Hamilton, if we're just frank about it, is a more experienced offensive coach, quarterbacks coach, uh, uh offensive coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Like, I did an article after – uh, on SportsRadio610.com, after after we talked to them, that was kind of illustrating that basically, you know, you know, Pep, Pep Hamilton was working with Andrew Luck in, for the Colts, at, you know, as an office of coordinator, when Tim Kelly was uh, was a grad assistant with with Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, at Penn State. Like he, these guys have miles and miles of more experience over Tim Kelly, and so I get why people think that. Tim Kelly's going to have to take a, st- a, a step back or see back. I, and it's probably true. Okay. I'm not, I'm not uh, speaking against that, but I also think that that is kind of just really in some ways, the wrong way to look at it, or, or in some ways, it's just an adversarial way to look at it. Either the bag on Tim Kelly, cause uh, you know, Bill O'Brien's guy, or just cause he's, he's part of the old regime or, or whatever it is, or he's not proven himself, but I honestly look at this as an opportunity, an amazing opportunity for Tim Kelly to grow and to become better. Like if the knock on Tim Kelly, you tell me this, Cody, if the knock on Tim Kelly is that he's followed Bill O'Brien around for too long, for 10 years, and that all he knows is whatever Bill O'Brien has taught him, then this should be a positive thing that he's going to get to learn from Pep Hamilton, whatever it is that David Culley can teach him. Uh, Bischoff, Andrew, the, the, the tight ends coach is coming from. Uh, from Baltimore um where, where they have a really good running game and he's he's picking ideas from him Robert Prince the wide receivers coach here's the thing they have real legitimate assistant coaches from the court from the, not just you know the coordinators obviously Tim Kelly and levy Smith but at the position mm-hmm. level like these guys that we talked to are guys that have been in the league that have done it and know what they're doing know what they're talking about and have experiences that are different from Tim Kelly, like everything that Tim Kelly knows is what he's seen from, from being around Bill O'Brien until, you know, the last, you know, the last 12 games of last season, <laughs> you know, um, which lo and behold, he was only four games, supposedly four games into his first play calling experience. Now, do we know for sure if he was actually calling plays in those first four games? I don't know, but here we are. It's, it's just his second season calling plays. Okay. He's, he's green like he's Tim Kelly himself is kind of still a project as an offensive coordinator. And I think it's a very, very, very positive thing that early in his career, he's not going to just be one guy. He's not going to just be from, oh my God, God forbid, from the Bill O'Brien coaching tree. Like, like he technically is, (laughs) but now very, very early on, I think what is Tim Kelly, like 34, 35, like he's in his mid thirties and he will be learning from, other people from other coaches, other experiences. This is a good thing, I think, for him specifically. And I'm, I guess I can only hope that that translates into the excellent play calling next year. Or, uh, and, if, and if it doesn't matter next year, they're just not good enough, it doesn't matter. then hopefully, you know, the year after that, whenever, <laughs> you know, if Tim Kelly's still around that long. Uh, hmm. But I, I think that this is overall a positive thing
1: for him. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media?
2: Yeah, man, y'all find me on Twitter at Brandon K. Scott. I'm always on there talking about something, whether it's the Texans or any of the other Houston sports or just life in general, man. Just hit me up at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at B. Scott from Hiram Clark. Of course, that's with an E at the end. If you're from Houston, you know that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. So, yeah, hit me up.
1: And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans. As always, I'm your host Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore twenty four. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore twenty four. My co-host John, some sports guy Hickman. You can follow him on Twitter at Some Sports Guy. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.